First Corinthians chapter 2 is a great chapter. Of course, there's no chapter of the Bible that is not a great chapter, but uh, it is a, a fantastic place to read and study and meditate. If you wanted to outline the second chapter of 1 Corinthians, you could do it this way. This would be an accurate outline. Verses 1 through 8, we speak the wisdom of God to this world. In verses 9 through 16, we receive the things of God through His Spirit. We're going to focus on that second part this morning, verses 9 through 16. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 9 through 16 Contains a phrase that's used repeatedly in various forms, and that phrase is this, the things of God. The things of God. Look at verse 9. It says, the things which God hath prepared. Verse 10, the deep things of God. Verse 11, the things of God. Verse 12, the things that are freely given to us of God. Verse 14, the things of the Spirit. Of God. Verse 16, the mind of the Lord. Now we're familiar with verse 9, which says, But as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. We're familiar with that verse, but unfortunately, we only tend to use it to talk about heaven. And I believe that that verse definitely applies to heaven, but it's talking about so much more, and I don't think it's even primarily talking about heaven. It's primarily talking about the things that God has prepared for us in this life and then in heaven. You can study this passage and find out how God gave the Bible to man. It's it's in there. But what I want us to see today, the things of God that God has for us Every day, right now. Way too many believers treat their faith like you treat a life insurance policy. Okay, there, I got it, and I don't have to think about that until I die. But that's not what salvation is. Your salvation doesn't begin when you die. It begins the moment that you believe on Jesus. The moment you believe on Jesus, your focus should begin to turn to The things of God. The things of God. The things which God hath prepared for them that love him. The deep things of God. The things that are freely given to us of God. The things of the Spirit of God. The mind of the Lord. You might not have any idea what I'm even talking about right now, but I want to point this out to you. There are basically two kinds of things you can focus on in life. The things of God and the things of this world. And you may not know exactly what the things of God is describing. But once you know, for example, what the things of this world are, then you can see that the opposite are the things of God. 1 John 2.16 tells us about the things of this world. It says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Now, first of all, don't miss this. God says that the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is all that's in the world. It's all the world has to offer. 
We think of the world as being so exciting. And there's so much out there to enjoy and be a part of it. If I live for the Lord, I'm missing out on so many things. But God says, uh, let me tell you, all that's in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Well, what's all that, all right? The lust of the flesh is the desire to do. I want to try that. I want to do that. I want to enjoy that. I want to participate in that. The desire to do. The lust of the eyes is the desire to have. I want to own that. I want to get that. If I had a million dollars, that's the song they used to sing for the lottery when I was a kid. And the funniest line of that song was, I would buy me a K car. I was like, you, you, a, a reliant automobile. I remember thinking, if you had a million dollars, you'd buy a reliant K car? Are you serious? But anyway, the lust of the eyes, a desire to have, and the pride of life, the desire to be. What is everybody you know chasing? One of these three or all of these three? The desire to do, the desire to have, the desire to be. I want to do stuff. I want to have stuff. I want to be somebody. That's all that is in the world. That is the opposite of the things of God, which is the other thing that you can live for. So you're going to choose. And this sounds like a bell that I ring kind of often, but I want to keep it before you. You are going to choose. You're going to choose whether you live for the things of God or the things of this world. The things of this world are, for example, money, houses, cars, fun, partying, prestige, popularity. The things of God are love, joy, peace, truth, Forgiveness, righteousness, stability, eternity. This is just a sampling of the things of this world versus the things of God. And right away, your mind says, well, why can't I have both? Now, here's here's a secret. To some extent, you can have both. But you won't have both by pursuing the things of this world. If you're going to have any of the things of this world, really have them, you'll only have them by pursuing the things of God. But here's the thing. You won't care whether you get them or not. The people who have money by going after the things of God, when they get money, money doesn't really mean much to them. Say, well, what's the sense in having if it doesn't mean anything to you? It would be a... Life of freedom. If you were not bound by your desire for prestige. If you were not bound by your desire for popularity. If you were not bound by your desire to have the same things that you see other people have. I'm saying... Yes, you can have both. That's true. To some extent, it is true. But 
You won't get both. You never get true love and true joy and true peace going after the things of this world. So the thing to do is make up your mind that you're going to pursue the things of God and let God take care of your needs. That's what Jesus was talking about when he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. We could put things of God in there and it would fit just nicely. Seek ye first the things of God and his righteousness and all these things, what? The things of this world. Not sinful things, obviously. Not, I included partying on that list. I'm not including that in all these things. But the things you need. God is saying, Jesus is saying in Matthew 6, if you'll go after the things of God, I'll take care of the things you need. You don't need to go after the things of this world. You go after God and he'll take care of your needs. The things of this world are built on lies. And now I'm not talking about your needs. I'm, now I'm talking about when you decide to go at. Do you know that anybody in this room, if now maybe some of us are too old for it, but probably most of us are not. I mean, you know the old story of Colonel Sanders got rich when he was, what, 75, uh, started his uh, fried chicken empire. So maybe none of us, but, but uh, for the most part, most of us, if not all of us, if we wanted a mansion, if we really went after it with all of our hearts, we could have a mansion in this life. If you really, anybody in this room who really wanted to and went after it with all your heart, you could have a Ferrari at a half a million dollars. But the point is, is that really worth giving your life to? Is it really worth giving your life? Anybody in this room who wanted to earn a, excuse me, a doctor's degree could do it. And that, that is certainly not a, a wasted, but I'm talking about if you're going to get a degree just for the sake of prestige. I just want to impress everybody with how much education I have. Is that really worth giving your life to? Now, don't get me wrong. To get a degree can be worthwhile. It can matter. It can be important. I'm talking about just for the press. You know there's people out there that get educated just for the sake of appearing educated. That's not a life. The things of this world are built on lies. The things of God are built on truth. The things of this world don't satisfy. The things of God bring full satisfaction, full contentment, full fulfillment. Try saying that ten times fast. Full fulfillment. The things of this world are temporary. The things of God last forever. One of my most important God-given jobs as a pastor is to help you strengthen your appetite for the things of God and weaken your appetite for the things of this world. I'm talking about the things that are preached at us and thrown at us constantly, uh, TV commercials. You know, you've got to be the wealthy one. You've got to be the, the strongest. You've got to be the... No, you don't have to go to the party. Most of the people in the world, Christian and non-Christian, think that the whole world's having a party and they've been shut out from it. They're missing out from it. No, you're not. Because there is no party and the people at the party are the ones committing suicide. 
They're the ones that are saying life doesn't, this life is so empty. It's a lie. And one of my jobs, one of my great jobs as a pastor is to strengthen your appetite for the things of God and weaken your appetite for the things of this world. Here's what I want to do quickly. Don't be discouraged when I tell you that the message has 15 points. Oh, we're not getting out of here until 1235. No. I want to quickly read to you 15 thoughts from the passage that we read. And if you would just listen and forget about the clock, the clock will serve you well, I promise. Listen to what I'm going to... And and every one of these statements comes directly from the passage that we read about the things of God. First of all, and I love this, I could preach the whole rest of the message about this thought. Verse 9, the things of God are prepared by God for those who love Him. Do you love the Lord? God has things prepared for you. Now look, I don't, it doesn't matter to me what God is preparing for me. If he's preparing something for me, I want it. If it's a mansion in glory, I want it. If it's a truth, a thought that is going to transform my thinking, I want it. If it's fellowship with him, I want it. Whatever God has prepared for me, I want it. The things of God are prepared by God for those who love him. Verse 9 also says, The things of God are greater than anything a human mind can invent or imagine. We can think of things like, I want a new Corvette. I want a new, I don't even know, what number is the iPhone up to now? Is it on 10 or has it gone to 11 yet? I want a new iPhone S Grande, whatever, uh, Those are things we can think of. God says, if that's what you want, the things of this world, go for it. But I I have some things prepared that I'm preparing for you that you can't even dream up. You don't know how good it is to be a Christian until you become one. Just about anything else in this world you can go and shop for. You can go to the store and shop for. You can go online and shop for and look at it and say, ooh, I like that. And doesn't it always disappoint anyway? But the things of God, God says, I've got some things prepared for you that I don't have a showroom. I don't have a website where you can look at a picture. But trust me, I'm preparing some good things for you. The things of God are greater than anything a human mind can invent or imagine. Then it says in verse 10, oh, I love this. The Holy Spirit who lives in you searches out the deep things of God. You have a scout living inside of you. The Spirit of God is constantly scouting out the deep things of God for your benefit. Now, if you're grieving the Holy Spirit, you're never going to get the scouting report. If you're quenching the Spirit, which means he tells you to do something and you say, no, I don't want to, you're not going to get the scouting report. Oh, I don't mean to put it on such base terms, but it says he searcheth out the deep things of God. There is nothing that that God has prepared for you that the Spirit of God that lives within you is not aware of. 
Sometimes I'm tempted to think this, and I've heard some of you say this. I'm just afraid that if I don't do everything exactly right, that I'm going to miss out on something God has. The only thing you can do to miss out on what God has for you is to grieve the Holy Spirit and thereby not get the report of what God has for you. So how do you grieve the Spirit? You grieve the Spirit. There's three responsibilities that every Christian has towards the Spirit of God if you want to keep things flowing. Number one, don't grieve him. What, what grieves the Spirit? Our sin. So you've got to avoid sin. You've got to confess sin when you commit it. You've got to fight sin in your life. The second responsibility we have toward the Spirit of God is to not quench him. How do we do that? That is when he prompts us to do something, we say no. That quenches the spirit. That turns the spirit, turns the dial off. It's as if we're tuning him out. Don't quench the spirit. Don't don't grieve him. Don't quench him. Thirdly, we are to walk in the spirit. What does that mean? It means that we follow his lead. We rely on him. We depend upon him. If you're doing those three things consistently, you're not going to miss anything that God has for you because the Spirit searcheth out the deep things of God so that you won't miss a thing. I want you to notice next in verse 11, no man knows the things of God. The things of this world will never lead you to God. It's why it's so important that you guard the source of the things that are influencing you. Say, man, I, you know, I just love to watch Dr. Phil. Now, I don't know anything about Dr. Phil. I don't even know if he's on TV anymore. Maybe he is, maybe he's not. But you've got to know the source of what he's telling you. You've got to know the Whoever we're talking about, I mean to pick on him. Whoever we're talking about, you've got to know the source. The, the music you're listening to, not just who's singing it. Listen, and I, you know, I, I made a decision about my music last June. But even before then, if I found out that someone just straight up didn't believe in God, I couldn't listen to them sing. Even if we're talking, and I still listen to some classical music. It's not my favorite thing in the world, but I listen to some. If I find out a composer was an atheist, I don't want to hear his music. And then who's performing the music? Listen, the actors that are acting, you say, oh, but they're just acting. They're just pretending. I believe with all my heart the message comes through. So when somebody stands up, and I'm not getting political here, but when somebody stands up, do you know an actor stood up last week, and I know he was, he was being sarcastic, but he thanked Satan for his performance. Now, to be fair to him, he was making a joke. It was a political joke. So he was actually accusing the guy he was portraying of being satanic. But still, I wouldn't thank Satan for anything under any circumstances. Now, do you think that when that man acts that his philosophy towards God is not going to come through? It's going to get through to you. But since no man knows the things of God, verse 11, you're never going to get the things of God through man. You say, well, I'm listening to you. Yes, but I'm delivering you a message that came through the Spirit of God. Hopefully, you're not getting it from me. You're getting it through me. 
But you cannot go to an atheist and read an atheist philosopher's book to get the things of God because no man knows the things of God. Notice also verse 11, only the Spirit of God knows the things of God. So not only do you want the Spirit of God to fill your life, but you also want to interact with those who are impacted by the Spirit of God. Verse number 12, I love it. It says that God freely gives us the things of God. I love that. God freely gives us the things of God. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I don't really comprehend everything you're talking about with the things of this world and the things of God, but I know this, I want the things of God. That's what I want my life to be going after. That's what I want my life filled with. God freely will give you the things of God. And by the time you're 51... I can't speak for 52 and beyond, but I can speak for 51 and under. By the time you're 51, you'll know the abundance of what the things of God means when you go after them. Verse 12, God wants us to know the things of God. God's not holding back truth from you. He's not holding back blessings from you. He wants you to know the things of God, but he gives, he does not give the things of God to those who have chosen the things of this world. You have got to make the choice. And by the way, I'm talking to believers. So I made the choice. I got saved. No, you got to make the choice every day. You can be saved and have the Spirit of God living in you and on your way to heaven. But if you just, you know, sit and watch R-rated movies all day, you're not going to be filled with the things of God that day. If that's your life, if, if you only take in, you know, R-rated entertainment and, and profanity and foulness and filth and filthy music, and if that's what you're influenced by, as a believer, you're not choosing the things of God. You're choosing the things of this world. Verse 12 says we have received the Spirit of God so that we can know the things of God. That's one of the things that the Spirit of God does for you is to keep you in the things of God if you will let him. Verse 13, God's people should speak the things of God. Also, verse 13, the Spirit of God teaches us how to speak the things of God. You know, it's an amazing thing. When you listen to a child of God talk, when you listen to somebody talk who knows the Lord, if you have the Spirit of God living inside of you, you instantly know whether or not they're for real. I'll never forget making a visit to a fellow over in Brewster. And... um, from the time we, we first walked, he let us into the house, and we, we spent probably half an hour there. From the time we first walked into his house, he was talking, God, God, God. He had a whole room in his room that he called the Jesus room. But I never sensed that he was saved. 
he was talking God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and salvation and the Bible and heaven, but I never sensed that he was saved. And so we started to give him the gospel. And you would not believe how quickly he shut us down. He wanted no part of the gospel message. I'm saying to you, the Spirit of God teaches you the things of God and teaches you how to speak the things of God. Verse 13, I love this, we should speak the things of God in a spiritual way. By the way, that was number 11, so we're more than two-thirds through. That, I told you it was quick. We should speak the things of God in a spiritual way. Listen, comparing spiritual things with spiritual, it says. We're supposed to keep the things of God on a things of God level. We're not supposed to try to drag God down to a human level. If you have to listen carefully to a song to see if it's a God song or a not God song, something wrong with a song, you have dragged God down. You're not comparing spiritual things with spiritual. You have tried to drag God down to a human. Well, so man, if I make it sound like a rock song, lost people will listen to it. First of all, that's not true. Lost people laugh at at Christian rock music. And I know we don't call it Christian rock anymore, but that, that the essence of what it is hasn't changed just because we've dressed it up and named it something else. But the world laughs at it. You don't speak the things of God by bringing God down to a gutter level. You compare spiritual things with spiritual. And you keep God on a God-honoring level. I remember reading about a man on the eastern side of Connecticut a few years ago who was having a, are you ready for this, a beer Bible study. You know, I used to get guys come out, sit around, have a brew. We'll talk about the Bible. See, well, man, some people would respond to that. Yeah, they'd respond to it by getting drunk. Now, look. Any method could be used of God to get somebody saved. I don't deny that. But that doesn't mean that we don't have a responsibility to keep our methods scriptural and God-honoring. Just because, you know, somebody gets saved, so we say, well, see, it worked. You got that guy saved. First of all, how do you know if you hadn't done things in a way that honors the Lord? You couldn't have had ten people saved instead of one. I'm not going to stand in judgment of, of anybody individually who makes an effort of getting the gospel out, but I do believe it's our responsibility to believers to keep spiritual things spiritual. Verse 14, the natural man will not receive the things of God. Now, the natural man there is talking about the unsaved man. There's three men in the Bible. There's the natural man, the carnal man, and the, the saved man, the spiritual man is what I wanted. The, the spiritual man. The natural man is the unsaved man. The carnal man is the saved man who never grows. The spiritual man is the spirit-filled Christian, the mature Christian. So when the Bible says the natural man receiveth not the things of God, it's talking about the unsaved man. Now, 
You say, well, yeah, an unsaved man can get saved. He's talking about the natural man who has not yet gotten saved will not receive the things of God. The one thing that he will receive by the grace of God is salvation. And when he does, he becomes the spiritual man. Because now he's got the spirit of God living in him. But here's the point. When you try to talk about to an unsaved person about anything besides salvation that has to do with God, they're never going to get it. I'm not saying you never should. I'm just warning you they're never going to get it. Because the natural man does not receive the things of God. Verse 14, also, the natural man cannot understand the things of God. Can I point this out to you? We only have two more points to go. We're just about done. Can I point this out to you? The book of 1 Corinthians contains stronger rebuke against a church than is found anywhere else in the Bible. Paul is about to start ripping this church to shreds. Why? Because they are living in open sin. And so just in a scathing way, he deals with the sin that's going on in their church. And I have to wonder as I look at chapter 2, and he makes this distinction between the things of God and the natural man. If part of what he's doing isn't setting up the entire church to understand, now, hey, if you're not saved, you're not even going to get this. What I'm about to say about immorality, what I'm about to say about blasphemy, what I'm about to say about discord and disrespect in the church, you're not even going to get it if you're the natural man. The only ones that are going to get it are is the, the spiritual Christians. Understand, folks, and this is a principle of life that will help you as long as you live. The natural man does not understand the things of God. You always have to begin with salvation. They're not going to understand. I remember somebody... Uh, taking our, our, our CD when our, when our family first made our CD and played it for an unsaved family member. And, and their unsaved family member said, and very, very nice, nice lady, said, oh, that song is beautiful. Can you explain to me what it means? Now, to me, every song on the CD is self-explanatory. But to someone who does not have the Spirit of God living in them, it's not self-explanatory. Understand that. Do you ever, do you ever look at a lost friend or loved one and say, "Why can't they get this?" Because the natural man does not receive the things of God. They've got to have the spirit of that hurt. Man, I hit. Don't do that. Um, you've got to have the spirit of God living inside of you if you want to understand the things of God. Number fourteen, verse fifteen says that the man who understands the things of God understands all things. Sometimes people say, and again, usually it's the natural man, the unsaved person, says, well, you know, that Bible doctrine stuff is irrelevant. And even it's, it's if we're not careful, as Christians, we can say, well, I appreciate Bible doctrine, but it's not relevant. But this verse says that the man, uh, let's, let me find it and read it to you verbatim here. 
He that is spiritual judgeth all things. Judge there does not mean condemn. It means uses discretion and understands all things. So by understanding the things of God, you have the ability to understand all the things that you need to understand about life. Now, there's some things I don't want to understand. I don't want to understand the things of sin. I don't want to. Uh, Paul said in Romans that be wise concerning good and simple concerning evil. I don't want to understand how, you know, the drug world works or whatever. But I'm saying he that is spiritual judges all things. You have the ability, okay, if you're a spiritual Christian, you can tackle anything that needs to be tackled, whether it's a spiritual matter or not. You know who makes the best employees? Spirit-filled Christians. Who makes the best whatever, the best. You know, it's amazing how, um, how many times now the winning team in any endeavor is led by professing Christians. It's not that because, oh, God's rooting for them because they're saved. No, it's because if they are spirit-filled Christians, they have a work ethic and they have an understanding that the natural man does not have. Last of all, verse 15, the things of God are found in the mind of Christ. What's the mind of Christ right here? The mind of Christ. It says in verse number 16, Who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Close out by saying this, By the grace of God, I spent my teenage years deciding to go after the things of God, the things which God hath prepared, the deep things of God, the things that are freely given to us of God, the things of the Spirit of God, the mind of the Lord. If you will choose to go after the things of God, you will be forever grateful that you did. Whether or not you understood everything I was talking about, would you ponder this and would you seek the Lord? Would you say, Lord, I don't don't grasp it all, but if I have a black and white choice here, the things of God, the things of this world, I want the things of God. Would you teach me what that means? Would you help me to pursue the things of God? Would you make that life choice today, but would you make that choice every single day of your life? Lord, today, I want the things of God. Let's bow our heads together.